favorite part of the platform. But hello there, everyone. Welcome back, finally, to another episode of Tapcalf Transmissions. I am Corey, joined for this episode by Mr. Ilkin of Kings and Generals. How are you doing tonight, Ilkin? Uh, I Mr. was doing Ilkin. okay until you introduced me. As Mr. Ilkin? You don't want to no. be Mr. Ilkin? Once again, you forgot that I need, like, a nickname. Like, uh, Egg gets enigmatic or something like that. Can I get I have, something? I really haven't done that in a long time, though. I, I still, I, I think I need it okay. in my life. So you just need an adjective starting with I. Yes. The, the ickiest Ilkin. That's, that works. At the least illustrious I guess Ilkin. And num uh, just don't call me idiot, I guess. Otherwise, That's, go for it. That's for and your number tenth two, appearance. And number two, you uh, always say that Justin is Canadian. I would like to be called Canadian too, please. I've I've called you Canadian every time. Not every I don't, time. I don't introduce like... Justin as Canadian all the time. It comes up in the course of the episode because we talk about like red green or something. I'm sorry. I need more affirmation. All right, Ilkin, the the Canadian Kings and Generals creator, get some alliteration in there. And uh, tonight we are finally talking about, speaking of Canadian alliteration, we have Cataclysm, which I will hold up in front of the camera. Uh, so I do have it on my phone. <laughs> we were, we were going to be talking about this like a month ago. Unfortunately, some stuff came up, uh, so we weren't able to do it at the time. But we're here now. We read Convergence quite a while ago, and... Yeah, so we're going to be talking about Cataclysm by Lydia Kang. Got to say the author's name. And this is the the second of two High Republic Phase 2 adult novels. So it's the both the second book and the finale, which is which is a lot. It's a lot of pressure to put on one book. With the other phase, there was three of them. Now there's just two. So what did you think of Cataclysm? Uh, I think I know why Justin stopped doing that. Like, it's a good book, but uh, the plot is so convoluted, and uh, half of it is kind of hidden in the uh, young adult books that we haven't read. At least I haven't read. Yeah, uh, so, is also pretty important for yeah. for this. So I had I had to go back uh, and kind of skim the wiki for it, but uh, obviously wiki is not uh, nearly enough to be able to have a good opinion of what was happening in Battle of Jeddah. But in short, uh, I liked it, but uh, I felt like, as you said, it had to do too much. Uh, and maybe having two books covering that plot would have been better. Yeah, like I think... I enjoyed it, but I do think Convergence was better, or yeah. that at least I like Convergence more. Not even just because it's doing, or not even just because it's bringing together the plot thread from the other stuff. I think you can kind of get a sense for what's going on without having to read everything else. But right. there's one of the problems that Justin especially talks about that he has with the High Republic stuff is there's so many characters around. And yep. I think part of why this feels like it's covering so much is because you have like seven or eight point of view characters alone. So yep. it's hard to get into uh, any of the individual characters too deeply because I think there's only maybe one Syrian fan to uh, perspective chapter in the first hundred pages, yet they are kind of the, the big two characters for this point. From the previous book, right? Yeah. Thing uh, is, Mike. Um, I don't want to start the whole uh, Legends and Canon thing, but when you have Leia and Han and Luke, uh, I don't want to be like glib, but basically they are not characters, right? They are uh, legends, more or less. Uh, they don't really have character arc, not like a big one or like anything, but they are story characters. And it's easy to build uh, other characters around someone already established. Here, we basically, every, with every book, we establish a new cast of characters. And uh, in phase one, I felt like they did 
a better job because at least we got some continuity between characters and some uh, character arcs within the trilogy of adult books. Here, this duology, again, the story is very interesting. I like the story, but uh, the characters, uh, there's so many of them, uh, and especially the Jedi characters who kind of um, mush together into one blur. If that's something yeah. I, I think, I like Shuriel Roy, uh, yeah. Crichton's son, Ada Forte, a lot of them do end up feeling like, okay, this is this is Jedi number one, this is Jedi number two, and yeah, they're not, not quite right. as major as the other ones. I can't really like. Obviously, like I have read the book like two months ago. Maybe I'm forgetting something, but it's still difficult to discern between them, in my opinion. Yeah, and it's. It's becoming like a constant thing with uh, High Republic. I, I, again, I'm, I'm sure in, that in the third phase they will go back to the main characters of the first phase, etc., etc. Uh, but uh, motivations, especially, they are constant uh, question for me. Like, for instance, uh, I wrote down in my notes that I don't understand Axel's trauma. So it's right. basically. He's shown like a, someone who uh, is very um, damaged, and it show it's shown that uh, he needs a sense of belonging. It's shown what his trauma is, that the death of his father, like in front of him, right in front of him. Uh, but I still don't get the full motivations. Right. I think part of that is, which I, I think my bigger problem with the characters kind of connects to this in that for the characters that did play a big role in Convergence, so Kidala, uh, Axel, Fantu, and Siri, they end this book, especially Axel, in the same place they ended the last book, and they follow the same trajectory to get there although they get less time to do it because there's so much focus on other stuff. And Axel yeah. is, I think, particularly noteworthy there because if there is one character who I think gets the most... I'd have to, like... I haven't counted chapters. It's, he just stands out more to me, but I think he's the one that gets kind of the most focus or the most plot that revolves yeah. around him. Uh it yeah, just kind of felt like we already did a lot of that with him, and it felt like it was hard to get into the first half of his story because we had to just watch him revert all the way back to where he was. So, so it was just kind of basically uh, whatever character arc he had in the first book. Apparently, it's a ruse. So because it's yeah. a ruse, because it's a lie, now he has to uh, basically do that again. Yeah, and it just made me feel like that. Jella's stuff, or Gela, I'm not sure which. Gela, I'm going to go with Gela. That her uh -huh. stuff was just a bit more exasperating because you kind of know where it's going, and then he's doing the same thing. He ends up like, oh, he's going to do his time in prison, and that's gonna he's going to be a better person now. And it just felt like if he was going to get to that point, he would have gotten to that point before. And... Like... Uh, Addiction is tough. Being in a, a difficult psychological place is tough. So it's kind of realistic that people would backslide. But as a storytelling device, going through the same narrative with them twice in two books when there are only two books, kind of, I don't know, it just felt like we'd, we'd been there and done that with him. Yeah, but uh, before we dive deeper, do you want to like summarize the book? Yeah, we should probably go over a bit of what's going on there. So the book... Uh, takes place after Convergence, where we have the two planets, uh, Irem and Rono, who have been on and off at war for either a very long time or five years. Uh, it's kind of... Uh, but the Prince Fantu and Princess Ciri have gotten married. They're bringing their worlds together, and there was going to be a peace, uh, peace uh, negotiations talk signing ceremony on Jeddah, that has exploded off screen in the Battle of Jeddah book, and things are kind of starting to fall apart. Uh, and at the start of Cataclysm, it seems like there might be some shenanigans going on with some uh, bioweapons being deployed on Fantu's planet. 
So you start getting some tensions raising between Irem and Arono again, and the uh, so we we deal a bit with getting them back on the same page, and a lot of Jedi start going to the planet Downa, where the plot with the path of the open hand and then the closed fist and their force hunting dogs, the levelers, uh, starts to come out more. The the nameless from some of the other stories. Uh, so a bunch of the Jedi go to Dalna. Everything comes together. They finally reestablish that Iron and Arono are going to be friends. We get kind of the, the first inklings of Starlight Beacon being set up. And uh, a bunch of Jedi turn to Ash, much like uh, what's-his-name did in the first wave. Okay. And that's, yeah. That's about that's what happens. Okay. So uh, a few things from the plot itself. Um, one thing that I feel like you uh, didn't mention is that uh, the book is constantly using communication problems as a uh, literary device. Mm-hmm. So like uh, everything, not everything, but most things that happen, they happen either because the communication booths were destroyed or taken over or uh, somehow corrupted. And uh, I... Honestly, I didn't like it. I felt like it's a very... But it's a uh, metaphor. Well, yes, it's a metaphor for communication breaking down within the family and within the Republic and within etc. etc. and within the uh, Jedi Order, actually. But uh, as a literary device, uh, as a story device, I didn't feel it's, like, needs to be used so many times. It's like five or six times where the communication boy is taken over or is it, it's somehow used to confuse our heroes, etc. And uh, again, Star Wars is a bit weird in terms of its uh, technology. Like, at times, uh, you feel like uh, you basically can send a message or a trans- uh, full video from one end of the galaxy to the other in, in a matter of seconds. And at times, it's you need, like, a basically uh, fiber cable connecting the planets or something like that. Yeah, like even at the, I think the first chapter with uh, Chancellor's Malo and Greylark, they're talking about events that happened uh, on the moon between uh-huh. Arm and Arono like an hour before or had been going on that day. Whereas part of the the resolution on down is like they can only really go to Arm and Arono for help. That's what brings them together to kind of cooperate once again. And I think there were kind of similar things happening with Convergence. Uh, because some of the communications had been cut and there was just no one else was around that could ever have been contacted to help them. Uh, and I don't know if you have read the phase free book, but I feel like uh, it's going to be like a big thing in phase three because uh, Niall will use uh, their uh, mastery over the hyperlanes in order to basically blockade off part of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. So uh, I understand why they are using it as a story, as a story device, why they are using it as a metaphor, but overall, it's it was overusing this story. Yeah, I do think it goes a bit far. I don't mind it as like a premise. I don't like. I don't have a problem with most of how it's used. It just get em- gets emphasized so much as like that was cut, and now there's no one else we could possibly contact, because there was just this one communication spur, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it does end up being a little bit forced for for those. At the same time, I really liked um, like it's not only this book; it's uh, all in almost every new canon book. Uh, the force, obviously, is a force, but there is now a religious aspect to it. Like, they're not only Jedi, and, uh, like, in old canon, we had Jedi and we had other uh, Force users, right? In new canon, we still have other Force users, but we also have uh, different religious views on the Force. And, uh, like, let's say, imagine if in our world some kind of religion, religious faith had a real world, world effect. Uh, that would obviously make all other religions have a opinion on it, right? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I feel like before uh, the new canon, the Star Wars kind of ignored the whole religious angle of the Force. Here, with the uh, path of the open hand and closed fist, we are starting to get this, this idea that somebody might not like uh, Jedi using the Force, not because uh, they are like Sith or something, but just because they consider Force uh, to be some kind of holy thing that should not be used by anyone. Right. And, yeah, there's not uh, as much interaction in Legends with people who aren't yeah. using it. Like it's more of a, a tool than anything. Yeah, yeah. And uh, again, imagine like in the real world, some kind of religion has a real magic working. Uh, that would obviously change the entire outlook of the galaxy, right? The entire outlook of the world on said religion and said uh, tool or magic or whatever you call it. Yeah. And uh, New Canon, in most stories that I have read, uh, there's some kind of uh, interaction with the Force, not as a, not as a uh, magic, but as a fate, as a matter of fate. Like what uh, different people think about uh, Force, etc. And I feel like we should have read the Battle of Jeddah because uh, there there is a whole uh, debate between various religious orders who um, basically see Force as a um, as a real thing. And we should have, uh, I feel like, I, I, I will go back and read it, obviously, but we should have read it with you. I mean, we'll get to it as its own thing eventually, but I don't think it is necessary or should be necessary for reading and understanding what's going. Like, yeah, sure, it adds that's stuff, but... My point. That's not my point. My point is that I just like the new outlook on the Force. Right. I feel like it's being a real uh, fate. It's more interesting in a way. It's like closer to what would happen in the yeah, real world. There's, there, there's been a lot of comments on both this and Convergence of like, oh, well, you guys didn't read the other thing. That's why you don't know what's going on. But like, we. So I'm jumping one thing in through that. Standalone. Yeah. But like, it's not that we don't know what's going on. When we say there's too much going on in this book, it's not because we don't have the background for the other stuff. It's because the characters in this book don't get that much focus as a result of it doing so much. Like, there's nothing in here where I was like, oh, I don't understand what's happening with these characters. It was like, okay, I just feel like I'm retreading the plot of Convergence for these characters in the space of 20 pages instead of them having that whole book to work it out. And I think that's where, like, yes, you do get extra context by doing the, uh, the other books first. And I know this isn't what you're saying, but just to address those yeah. complaints. And for the first time in adult books, we get Yoda and Yaddle, which is yeah. something. At least actually doing something. Like, Yoda gets mentioned and shows up as a side character in Phase 1 a bit, but... Yeah. Because he's... I think he's at Starlight Beacon at some point, but yeah, him actually doing something here. Not in the adult books. I think he's yeah. uh, in Starlight Beacon in the comics and in one of the junior novels. Uh, which again, at some point, we have to read, etc., etc. But uh, the story is not that complicated. It's not the complication yeah. of the story. It's just uh, the way the lore is built. You kind of feel, at least it's my opinion, uh, they made uh, the lore building in terms of meta very complicated. Like, um, uh, let's say something like um, Aftermath Trilogy and uh, Alphabet Squadron, right? Mm -hmm. These two trilogies, they kind of happen uh, at the same time and they end at the same point. But uh, you kind of don't feel the need to read one to understand the, the other one. Mm -hmm. The High Republic is kind of more convoluted in this regard. Like, I understand that they wanted to address appeal to as wide as an audience as possible. So, I don't think I agree. Okay, go ahead. Like, you get more out of reading all of the High Republic phases comics, like young adult versus adult, than you do from the combination of Aftermath and uh, Alphabet Squadron. But, again, there's nothing... 
I've read both phase one and phase two kind of piecemeal where phase one, I read the adult novels and then we kind of did the young adult novels separately. Mm-hmm. We didn't even finish all the young adult novels and I haven't read any of the comics for either phase yet where like, I never felt like there was a thing that I didn't understand going on in convergence or cataclysm, having only read the adult novels. Like, sure. I may be missing context on like why, what some of their doing matters, but when people it's something that came up with Ahsoka a lot too, a lot mm-hmm. of situations where people are saying, oh, well, you don't understand this if you didn't read or watch that. It's usually people who did read or watch that saying that other people who didn't don't understand it rather than people who didn't watch it or read it saying that they didn't understand what was going on. So it's a lot of people projecting what they assume people's experience will be when really if you take the story actually being told in Cataclysm or the story actually being told in Convergence, I may not know why Marta Rowe was doing specific stuff that she was. But yes. I knew what she was doing. I knew how that related to what the other characters in the book were doing. I knew how that related to Iram and Arono. Like, I I feel like that's... Cataclysm and Convergence could exist as their own stories on their own. Yeah. It would leave more open-ended things. But I don't think it impacts your ability to actually know what's going on. Does that end, like, uh, to add to your disagreement with me um (laughs) we'll talk about it separately like why would you disagree with me like uh jokes aside but uh uh when we were reading um convergence i had this feeling bad feeling that uh this entire phase is kind of uh instead of telling a story it will try to like uh basically build a backstory for mark you on the row and after reading the second book, I don't feel like it. I feel like they were able to, um, instead of just telling the story of a leveler of, or of raw family, they told the story of the galaxy as they should have. Like one example that I wrote down is that uh, when the first phase begins, we immediately see the Jedi on their starships and surrounded by like military style fleets. In this one, we have nothing like that. We basically uh, at uh, it's the planet is called Dalna, right? Yeah, where the battle happens. Yeah, at the Battle of Dalna, which would be called the Night of Sorrow, uh, we basically get a situation similar to what happened in uh, Episode Two, where a bunch of Jedi are uh, trapped and uh, lured and trapped, and then killed in mass. Uh, and uh, for me, as someone who is a historian, and I probably look at every fantasy or sci-fi book as a historian, for me, uh, it's a good evolution from uh, more, I wouldn't say pacifist, but less militarized Jedi to more militarized Jedi. Yeah. And especially uh, if you look at the phases from like chronological point of view, and... Uh, you start from the second phase and to the first phase, you'll see that chronologically, Jedi, is, Jedi moved all the way from, uh, okay, we're traveling to like uh, other planets as a diplomats and uh, we're traveling as like maybe uh, judges, something like that, uh, to all the way uh, the Jedi is a general of a Republican Navy, like commander of the Republican Army. So this is this uh, militarization of the Jedi. Uh, is a very good story evolution. Like, uh, even if the characters are forgettable, even if the uh, story arcs and, uh, not story arcs, character arcs are not there, in terms of, like, uh, galaxy-wide arc, we have we have one. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't even say that the characters are forgettable. Like, I enjoy 90% of the characters we do have, other than the ones that are just, like, mashed together, like... Uh, Crichton and Shariel, who just don't feel like they have that much going on on their own. Uh, but it's just the the problem is just more how little time any of them really get in this book to go anywhere, and then the kind of character arc turning into a character circle for a lot of the ones in the prior book. Yeah, where like I really enjoyed like uh, Orin, the character who was introduced in this yeah. one. He was only around for a short time. Like a lot of them are are still really fun characters, and I, yeah, I still they, enjoy they're, the characters. They're unique in a way. I, yeah. I I I just I just don't feel the connection with them. I guess 
like phase one characters in in the first book uh in the very first book i felt like it's overwhelming but maybe because it was three books maybe because uh they just had more time but by the end of the third book i felt like a connection to like let's say elder man right right you kind of start to understand what he's about you kind of see his progression from um completely um what what's the word ideal start, uh, oh. start is a word that would you would use but i don't call jedi starts because like i don't like it uh so uh he moves all the way from the ideal knight to someone who doesn't understand his place in the world in the galaxy to someone who is trying to find a new way and it's a good story arc for him i feel like mm-hmm. and uh i'm kind of excited for the phase three because uh i really want to go back to the characters of the phase one right now yeah and i guess just to, to loop back a little bit on what you said a bit earlier where i think it was misinterpreted a bit uh by some in chat at least where you were saying you expected you chat? when you were saying you... what why would you read the chat i just to get a sense of what people are thinking about what we're saying it's not okay. it's not that much to read ilkin it's not a very it's not a very active channel but uh, when you were saying you expected Phase Two to be uh, about like just getting a backstory for March and Row, it's not that you were saying that backstory doesn't exist in this or the other books. It does exist. Yeah, it's just it that that is not point. the point. Like the phase yeah. isn't just something to throw that out there. We are aware that if you read the other books, you'll get more of that because again, the criticism isn't that oh they're lacking the backstory. How are we? No, no, no. My, not, my, it again, to reiterate, maybe your chat doesn't understand my immigrant accent, so I will reiterate. <laughs> uh, so my point is that I was afraid that uh, this phase will be entirely dedicated to it. Yeah. Like, the entire point will be, okay, he, he's Mark Yon Ro, uh, he's hot, for some reason you guys like vampires, right? Uh, he's hot, <laughs> so he's his backstory. In reality, it's not his backstory. It's a backstory of the uh, galaxy, more or less, and yeah. that's what I liked about the uh, second phase. Yeah, I don't. I still don't feel like it was like necessary. I mean, and it's not many more necessary than the prequels were. For nothing is necessary in the world. I understand. Like, we can just go read something better than Star Wars. We can right? just go into nihilism, and then why read anything? Really, <laughs> exactly. For instance, Justin can't read, so uh, and he's doing well, right? Uh, I know that he's not watching that, so I can say whatever I want about him, right? Yeah, there's there's no way he'd listen. Okay, it's fine. I love the guy, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, again, my he's point not listening. Is... You don't need to lie about. It. Okay, I I I adore him. Uh, so my my point is that uh, again. I have this conspiracy theory, and you can't prove me wrong because this is conspiracy theory. My theory was that uh, third phase was going to be what we'll see in uh, what's the name of that show? Um, Acolyte. Acolyte. That's my conspiracy theory. Uh, that's uh, I know. I know that what you will say, you will say that. It was planned before, it was planned like that, etc., etc. But uh, you are wrong, and I'm right. Uh, I, I, it's not even that I disagree with your conspiracy theory. I just don't even think it makes sense. Why? It's just the time the difference there. It's bigger. And... I, okay, I, what I mean is that Acolyte uh, would still be about some... Okay, we don't know what it's about, but like I, I think the word Acolyte means that there will be some kind of like dark force users, right? It's about some of the older or some of the High Republic phase one characters being really old. Yes. Really old. Um, I know. I Unbelievably old. Like uh, the events of the Acolyte could have been set like 20 years before episode one or like 120 years. And nothing would have changed, right? In terms of like uh, chronology of the universe. So my point is that uh, phase three was going to be acolyte, but then they changed their mind. 
Why? Because at some point during the pandemic, everybody decided that we need to release as many shows as possible. So Acolyte, again, this is conspiracy theory. Please, I, I, please, I, I, please don't, please don't, please don't do that. Zero out of ten. Zero out of ten. Okay, chat. What do you think? Oh, now, now we, now we appeal to chat. Now that it's now that you're <laughs> back against the wall. I don't know. I just I feel like the if they had planned to do like phase one and phase two like this, having it be a show for phase three, like no, I I think that there was no plan for a show. I feel like uh, the show that we'll get it was basically uh, phase three. Okay. Bad. Like I mean the the writing and the casting of the show would have been around the same time as some of the production of the High Republic stuff. So there would have been like, oh, who's our, who are the people that we're getting as Elzar Man and Stellan Geos and I guess not Stellan anymore, RIP, uh, and uh, Evar Chris. Like, I, I feel like there, there would have been more signs that it was going to continue some of that if that was ever going to be the case. Okay. Rather than... I had no idea that you are such a such a Disney shill. I had no idea, yeah. but now I know. Uh, what does that What does that even mean? That I don't think the show was based on. No, I I just I honestly like I'm looking at the entire like landscape of uh, what they're doing in terms of like streaming business, and I feel like especially Star Wars super reactive. Like we have seen it with the sequel trilogy too, right? Mm-hmm. Every movie was a reaction to something. Uh, that happened before it. And basically they changed the, every episode, like, uh, and it was especially the case with episode 9, uh, where they uh, didn't have, like, a working... Okay, why I'm going into sequels? Why does every conversation I'm having ever is ending in sequels? Episode 9 was basically rewritten at the last second. Not at the last second that people think it was. Yeah, I, from what I have heard, and obviously you probably have heard more, but uh, okay, maybe not last second. I but mean, last it was month. rewritten late into the process, but usually people will talk about that as if it was like rewritten in response to the last Jedi response. But that isn't the case because there wasn't, there wouldn't have been time for that to happen. Do you think it was rewritten as a response to book on book of Henry? I think it was just. They didn't like what they got out of uh, uh, Trevorrow or uh, Alan Dean Foster's Mecha Ray treatment, which is, it, it was something. But I, I think like, I don't know. I think the, the stuff that happened in episode nine is very much what I would expect J.J. Abrams to, to do with a lot of it. Yes. Right, yes, exactly. Like, it's who J.J. Abrams is. J.J. Abrams, as some call him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're, we're getting very far off of High Republic. Yes, so back to the High Republic and back to Phase 2, which, was, which had to be Phase 0, in my opinion. Uh, so one thing that I really liked about this book, and back, back to the book, uh, it's, it has very strong um, historical allusions, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this idea at some point uh, the two planets come together against a, basically, one of the princes is like, uh, we have to work for good, we can change the world for good, etc. And I started to think about it in terms of, like, real-world history, and uh, it's true that uh, we constantly get people and groups and etc who try to do their best to improve the situation but sometimes despite their best tries the situation deteriorates more and more and like the jump uh in terms of chronology from uh phase two to phase one shows that uh by the time phase one rolls out uh the galaxy is a far worse place and you can see it uh, in the Jedi. You can see it in the um, the planets uh, of the uh, region. You can see it in the uh, galactic politics. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at two um, 
chancellors of the Republic in this book, Molo and Greylark. Yep. Uh, they look a bit more idealistic than what we get from the Phase from 1. Oh. Yeah, that as well. What, what's Minus her so. name? Yes. She's more of a politician. She's more of a, like, uh, power player, I guess would be the word. And you start seeing these senators trying to uh, subvert the Republic. We see the senators trying to uh, basically improve their financial or political uh, situation using the problems in the outer rim. Yeah. It's, it's just, in this regard, I feel like Star Wars is really strong, uh, again, as a vehicle to show uh, what can happen in the history of a galaxy on a wider scale. Yeah. I definitely agree. Like, the the stuff we see with, with Malo and, and Greylark, even if we kind of get the suspicions between the both of them the whole time, which is kind of what starts eating away at their ability to function, but there is, in their arrangement, this implicit or implicit, even explicit assumption or idea that no one person is going to have a perfect idea on how to handle everything. They're all going to have their different strengths and weaknesses. And even though uh, Chancellor Greylark kind of does step away for the right reasons here to like focus on Axel to make things up to him, uh, and because she was a little bit compromised in her ability to to act in the interests of the Republic at that point, or that was just not going to be able to be a focus for her. Part of that is what kind of starts the road down to Palpatine being able to take all that power into himself. And I think like there are not just historical, but contemporary reasons that this would be a focus for the High Republic authors. Like there's always... For you. I, I, I'm not sure, maybe I missed it. Is there a um, clear indication that um, there were always two chancellors before that? I don't know if there... I don't think there were. I think it is set up as being like, oh, this is a neat trick we're doing. But I don't... I don't know. I don't know if it's something they're going to extend more commonly back. Because they do kind of talk about it as if it's a weird thing they're doing that okay. like that works out. But I, I wouldn't be confident in answering that one way or another. What did you think about Axel's... Trauma. Trauma? Trauma. Dude just seems kind of whiny. Like, it, it it wasn't that bad. It was bad, but, like, his reaction to it was disproportionate, especially for how often he seems to be relitigating it and putting it on to other people. Like, Have I missed it? Like, we know that his father was killed uh, on a diplomatic mission while a senator. And I, we know that there was a Jedi who uh, was, like, accompanying them. Yeah. Uh, do we have, like, explanation what happens there? Like, why he hates a Jedi, maybe? It, it was explained enough. I, but that part... Because, like, we both read this about a month or two, two ago now. Ago. And then yeah. I reread it, like on five times speed in the last week to to get as much back into my brain as possible because I had a bunch of stuff going on in the last week that required me to not be staring at Star Wars as much as I would have liked. So it, the explanation is there, but I don't think it just like he's definitely got a skewed perspective on what happened, even from his account of it, where it's more that he's blaming the Jedi for not helping them than anything. And it, it's like it's not like he blames the Jedi for going up and like stabbing his dad. It's that the Jedi should have been able to save the dad as well. And he held that against them. The only thing that I kind of can think as an explanation why he's like that, why I like that. Uh, so basically his mom abandoned him and he had to rely on his uh, new friends and one of his new friends He's basically a member of the uh, I Hate Jedi Club. Yeah, his mom... So what happened was his mom was busy all the time with her work. He had gone through this trauma as a young child. And then uh, her opponents in the Senate got hold of his laptop. And wait, no, uh, that's something else. 
but the <laughs> and on this laptop he was having fun with a bunch of twillings. Yeah, it, it it turned into a whole thing. But the <laughs> but no, the, it, it was largely she was so busy considering, considering the fact that uh uh the son of other senators was openly in business with the hearts. <laughs> no, but it was it was mostly like he went through they went through this issue. She was so taken up by her work and she was kind of making the decision for both of them that they should both make these sacrifices for her position as chancellor. So she would hold him to higher standards that he would constantly fly under. Uh like it, it as far as their relationship goes, I think I did like how that was written, like just the specific focus on the two of them. Where, like, I can understand where each of them is coming from, even if overall Axel's motivations, I think, are really flimsy for his, uh, for everyone still thinking he's a neat guy after all the shit he pulls and all the people he gets killed. Because he, he does some, some pretty messed up stuff. And it, it's not proportional to the, to yeah, the issues that he was blaming. Disproportionate. Like, the reaction is disproportionate. Again, uh, I don't want to be like a personal psychiatrist of uh, this Nepo baby, but yeah. yeah, it was a bit too much. Yeah, and just the the like people are are still so willing to give him like through they just repeatedly get tricked by the same thing from him Most every people. time. They what, they don't. What, what's her face? Gail. Gela. Gela. I'll call her Gail because. Uh, Baldur's Gate. <laughs> Gela. Okay. Gail. <laughs> At least I didn't call her Shadowheart, right? So, uh, Gela. Like, how many times can Gela be uh, fooled by this child? Yes. Like, it's a bit like, at this point, a Saturday day cartoon yeah. thing. Like, he's a villain, he uh, escapes prison every time, and he fools a Jedi every time, okay? Right. <laughs> Like the, I think the thing that that gets me with it more is like I'm great. Like give everyone second chances if they prove they're atoning for something. That's the problem, though. There's never a point in it where he ever takes responsibility in a way that seems like he actually means it, or like ever says he's going to atone in some meaningful way. It's just like, okay, now I'm the good guy. I'm gonna go sit in a prison and it's gonna be okay. Or like I. This is just my opinion, but like sitting alone in a room, I don't consider to be actual atonement or justice. I don't consider that to be actually taking responsibility for anything he's done. He's never actually like really acknowledged, especially like especially in the context of it happening in Convergence as well, where I got more of a feeling that he was taking some responsibility for bad things he did and trying to do better than here, where the whole time he's kind of doing shitty stuff. Then it just doesn't work out for him. And then he's like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have done that. And like, okay, yeah, you're a little upset that it's hurting people, but you would have known that going in. You hurt them directly yourself. And now you're just getting pissed off at like, you know, for doing things that you were perfectly happy to do five minutes ago. And I'm not hearing you say, I did this. Hey, you're getting I made heated this heated choice. Up. What? You're getting, you're getting heated up. Do you know Axel uh, Grey like in your real life? It's just... It, He's he's a frustrating character in how he's handled in that way because it is just a, a loop. And I, I feel like you could open up if there were a book three in the adult novels for this, then we'd have Gela and another Jedi coming, breaking him out of prison. Oh, I'm good now. And then he just fucking does the same thing again because he's never like last time he was like, oh, I'm going to go to prison. Blah, blah, blah. That's that's all. That's all nice for you. But. What did you do wrong? Who did you hurt? Why will this not happen again? Okay, our uh, podcast about restorative justice will continue next week. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I, I don't even need him to actually actually <laughs> do anything. I'd be happier with him just saying what he did wrong more explicitly. And then, and you know what? If that's all, if that's all I get, that's all I get. But it's better than like okay, we're all we're all cool with him now. He didn't really do anything that bad. Okay. You that got Oren killed. Oren's dead now. He was kind he, of funny. 
We didn't even know Orin, that's fine. My favorite character in Phase 2, and he's, he's just fucking gone. He's no loading sto- uh, Great Storm. Lone Great Storm overrated. Can't wait to make my nephews watch Young Jedi Adventures, point at him, and be like, that guy dies when a wolf looks at him. <laughs> wolf. <laughs> Whatever you want to. I mean, the, the nameless are they're the kind of wolves. Dave Filoni's going to turn them into a live action wolf, right? You think there will be live action High Republic? We got animated High Republic. We, we've got Vernestra Rowe that's coming in the Acolyte. Maybe we'll see a pile of dust in the corner of the Jedi Temple and one of the characters will be like, oh, there, there's the remains of Master Great Storm. <laughs> Oof. I think we'll probably see the Kyber Arch. I think that'd be cool to look at in in live action. I hope we see that. So that can be cool. Like, if it's about Acolyte, I feel like the whole Master and Padawan thing will be central to the TV show. Mm -hmm. Not central, but, like, it will be at least featured somehow. Yeah. I'm more interested, like, are we going to see Yoda or something? Yeah. Yes. He's, he's, we're definitely getting a Yoda cameo. Okay. He's he's going to be around somewhere. And more more excitingly, Opo Rancisis, the final boss in Jedi Three, whatever it ends up being called. Uh and we obviously need to see a Santeca. Probably. Because without Santeca, there is no party, obviously. Well, once the once the Nile stuff is resolved, I don't know if the Santecas are going to be as important. Well, we see them in the sequel trilogy, so yeah. Yeah, but they're just kind of kind of a Jedi janitor or something at that point. So what is archivist? Janitor. I don't know why you hate libra- librarians, but yeah, not cool. You're just going to say libertarians because there's different reasons. You'll. Do you hate me? No. Okay. I, I'm not going to give you the whole left libertarian speech right now, okay? <laughs> but uh, the. I, I think the, the other thing with Axel, I'm going to complain about a little bit more here. Is that the the one difference I do see with how this could work differently for him compared to the end of Convergence is now uh, Chancellor Greylark is going to be there, so that kind mm-hmm. of loops some stuff in for him. Though I, I do okay. still think that he is responsible for his own chan- choices, even if the the trauma may explain his choices, not excuse them. Um, is that the word we're using? Excuse versus explain. I again, I I'm a nipple baby myself, so I I hated him. I hated him so much. I mean, I my problem with his actions isn't that he's a nipple baby. That's a whole different issue that the Republic needs to deal with at some point. But the it's the it's 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 the choices he makes. Okay. What did you think about Yaddle deciding that it's a good idea to walk into like a battle with a literal child? It's a very powerful literal child. So like okay, Chippa, but, Chippa uh, gets a lot, a lot done. I wouldn't. So if I'm going into that situation, I'm Yaddle, and I have like the one ship. I'm gonna. I've got this kid I need to look out for, who I know is a mischievous little one, and I have two of these guards who the child could probably beat the shit out of if. They felt like it, and then does do that. If I'm worried about the whole situation on the planet, I am probably not leaving the child to be guarded by them, because that is just a poor tactical choice, let alone the responsibility for bringing the child there in the first place. So what you're saying is that I need to uh, learn parenting from Yaddle. I mean, if you if you want your child to be in as much danger as possible and be the most responsible person in the room when it happens... Then I guess, but like, what were what were those two gonna gonna do if if something happened? I have no idea. I'm just I'm just trying to understand like why it was happening. 
in general, like, there's a bit of chaos in terms of which Jedi ends up where. Mm-hmm. It's about, like, missions, etc. And if you think about it, that's actually good. Like, it makes the story um, a bit less formulaic, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, instead of uh, getting some kind of, like, your standard two Jedi and two Padawans, we are getting, like, that's, that's a standard Jedi group, right? Two Jedi and two, two Padawans. Like, we see that in Clone Wars in uh, other media. Yeah, they kind of have uh, that with uh, Enya and... Yeah, Yellow actually, we do. But like, at least uh, Yaddle and Chippa, they make it a bit less formulaic, in my opinion. Well, she's more on a delivery mission with Chippa, too. But mm-hmm. I do think it, it does kind of work with, like, there's all these Jedi that are drawn to Dalna for Force-based reasons, but they're all starting to get so clouded that none of them realizes anyone else is there until they're actually in the same place. So, until they start dying. Yeah, well, that they could have maybe avoided that a little bit better. But it's kind of like if they go to Geonosis in Episode 2, and mm-hmm. then you have, like, instead of having the Republic mission to rescue them, they just run into Mace Windu, who's doing some grocery shopping at the time and happened to come across a droid factory. And then, like, Coyote Mundy's there because he was dropping the kid off of it, off at school and he happened to find the droid factory. It's contrived in a Star Wars enough way that I think it works, but it, it obviously does not go very well for them. Speaking of being Force-sensitive, uh, how do you think uh, the Path of the Open Hand was able to learn that someone is for sensitive within them. Just by the way they reacted to the levelers. I think the levelers going after them is probably where they get that. Because they don't seem to realize it about Bino. So maybe yeah. he just hasn't been exposed like, to it enough. It feels like the mother knows that Bino is force sensitive. I think she might be a little bit of a hypocrite. Okay. Far be it from me to accuse a cult leader of having some hypocritical tendencies. But... Well, at least she doesn't have like a sex cult, right? Well, we don't. We can't say that. We haven't read the young adult novels. That's true. If there's a sex cult, it will be there. That's yeah. a good point. I don't see any reason to believe it wouldn't. You just got to read between the lines. <laughs> but it it does it does make me excited to go back and uh, explore the the aftermath of all this in phase three. And I, I am looking forward to reading the, the young adult novels, which uh, if Justin is not going to be engaging with phase two, then maybe we can have you back on to, uh, to go over all the stuff that we've missed and maybe we'll be able to convince Justin to join us. But do you have any overall thoughts about the two adult novels in, uh, in phase two? Overall, I liked them. Like, as Star Wars books go, they were not bad. They were good. Like, I think I gave, like, B to the Convergence. Mm-hmm. And Cataclysm also gets B for me. Like, if it's, like, on a curve, I felt like they're kind of similar mm-hmm. to quality. Again, it's difficult to... Uh, Judge Star Wars books like I have been reading the last it's my guilty pleasure so I hope you guys will forgive me I, I have been reading the last uh, Drizzt by books oh. by Robert Salvatore uh, they're easy to read they are uh, basically in the same universe as Baldur's Gate is said at the same time by the way so uh, it's kind of like interesting but uh, the thing is he doesn't have this um pressure of telling a certain story, I guess. You see that in Star Wars long series all the time. Like, uh, you guys at some point will go back to reading and discussing the new Jedi Order, right? Uh, There's 15 books, 16 books? 19. 19. Uh, And it sometimes feels like the author is forced to tell a certain story. And they don't exactly have what, let's say, uh, George Martin or Robert Jordan had in their series. They can't like, oh, I started as a five 
book series, but now I decided to write 10 books. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can do that. They are. I don't want to sound like negative, but they are more or less like a hired guns. Uh, I didn't want to use the word mercenary. Uh, and the books are good, but I felt in every Star Wars book you feel it to an extent uh, that they are kind of written by committee because, like, they are, because uh, they have to end at a certain point, they have certain uh, topics, certain events should happen, certain characters should be in a certain place, blah, blah, blah. Uh, obviously, this phase is a bit less um, connected to the largest Star Wars, I guess. Like, they didn't have as much constraints as, let's say, someone who writes uh, about the Battle of Jakku again right. will have, right? At the same time, they still had to hit certain notes and certain right. story ones. Uh, yeah, for instance, uh, if you talk about the nameless ones, nameless ones or nameless? Levelers. Uh, there are multiple of them here. And if you Jedi actually see them and survive it, right? Yep. I think so. Uh, so it's kind of a bit contrived that the Jedi don't know what's happening in the, fir- in the phase one. Like, this is... Like, in the epilogue, Yoda and uh, What's-His-Face, they kind of decide not to talk about it again. Mm-hmm. Not to talk about levelers, but uh, it's kind of difficult to imagine that someone like Lord and Greatstorm dies in a certain way, and Yoda is not there. Okay, guys, I had a secret from you. There is this wolf creature who, I don't know, Fox was forced somehow. And there's a whole prophecy that we've just, we're just going to ignore. Yeah. It just seems a bit contrived. Obviously, like, they had to end in a place where, the, where, where there's just one leveler because we only have one leveler in the uh, phase one and probably in phase three we'll have just one, right? Uh, and it's, it seems like it's the strongest one. Yeah, it seems like it's... Like it just uh, eviscerates that Tyler tie, so yeah. So it's I just been gone for a while. Yoda has other things going on, and like, like what? Yeah, hiding know. stuff from his like uh, coworkers. Yeah, why yeah, not? That's what he does. But hey, this is why the Jedi are falling because Yoda does not share. There is this uh, old article which pops up like every few months why the Jedi Order fell, and basically the uh, point is that uh, it's because they were all on the distant call and uh, never in the same room because of the con- council like having like uh, holocaust all the time. Yeah. And now more than ever it feels like it's true because Jedi should have everything in their archive in TV, especially stuff connected to the Force. And for some reason, uh, level of things happens again 70 years later? Is it 70, 80 years later? I don't remember the exact branch. I just think of it as 100, which I know is not correct. Maybe it's 100 and something. I I was actually, before I started going back through it, I went to the the timeline page, which I, I like that they still do it. But the problem I have with it is, like, they don't have the years anymore. So where the, yeah. the old ones, they had the, they have like the actual year that everything takes place in next to it in the timeline. Here, it just lists them kind of in order, which is a little sad. Okay, so uh, Night of Sorrow is in uh, 382. And Destruction of the Starlight Beacon is 230. So 150 years. Eh. I still feel like it's like forgetting who Napoleon was, well, more or less. Yeah, because it's it's the it's the Duke of Wellington forgetting who Napoleon was. Yeah, 
because Yaddle was there. A lot yeah, of them died. And maybe they didn't see them directly, but they knew this stuff was happening. And then there are people who kind of came up. I guess for the people on Starlight Beacon, it's more forgivable that they're not in the moment knowing what's happening. There are young Jedi, right? A bunch of young Jedi. Yeah. Who but like, once yeah. the stuff happens to Loden in Rising yeah. Storm, then it should be a thing for Yoda and Yaddle to be like, oh, we and Opo and Yarrow Poof. Like, a lot of them are there. Actually, I don't know if Opo and Yariel are there in Phase 2. I'm not sure about that. Oh, but you are giving us the overall premise, right? That, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's kind of like, again, nothing is about us. I, they are not responsible, basically, but be better. I mean, <laughs> you, you kind of expect some stuff to be a little controlled. Yeah, obviously. Like, it's a story, and because uh, the events are... Uh, in terms of like publishing uh, dates, they are not uh, analogical. Yeah, you kind of understand why it's happening. Well, it's but... almost the same thing as you get with uh, the OT to the prequels, where the things that were big in the OT you end up turning into a bigger deal in the prequels, even if they're details. So, like, if we're telling the story about the uh, about like the Nile and the Leveler in Phase 1. If you want to go back in time and do a prequel thing to it, you're giving them an even bigger role, even if like parts of that don't line up quite as well, and which is kind of the same as, like, oh, Obi-Wan is wearing this robe because he's on Tatooine, but now that's just what Jedi wear every day. Yeah. But, uh, uh, what do you think about Acolyte in terms of connection to the uh, Phase 3? Do you think uh, the, whatever force that will be the villain it will somehow be connected to the Nile or not I really don't know like I other stuff has been willing to work them in so something tied to it maybe but it I'm still not 100% sure when they're going to have it set and I haven't even read the I haven't read the first book for phase 3 yet so, like, there, there's going to be some sort of connection somewhere. I just don't know what it is yet. Like, I feel like Acolyte will be closer to the High Republic books than Eclipse will, for example. Okay. That makes sense. But like, in Survivor, they were able to use the, the Nile as, like, part of the, the backstory for Tantalor, and they didn't even really need to say the name Nile. They were just able to put that in. So, I think... The references we get to it will probably be more on that scale, where they'll be referenced as events that may have happened or influenced things, but it's not going to be like Vernestra Rowe shows up and says, like, let me tell you about Martian Rowe, because he was a hot vampire. That was a this reveal for me. Like, <laughs> I don't know why they invented that race. <laughs> Whatever. But uh, well, I mean, there's the uh, the Nagai, the the Nile and Nagai are actually very closely related. But uh, but yeah, so I I agree. I like the I like both of them. But I, I actually I think I have this a little bit lower than Convergence okay. relatively. Like I think I probably I, put them I agree with you. That's just too much happening at the same time. Like they should have uh, got rid of the wrong thumbnail up. Really? Oh, and you do that. It didn't the save the thumbnail. Me? God damn it! YouTube is fun, but anyway. Speaking of YouTube and fun, uh, do you want to do the face uh, free book one uh, sometime in the near future? Well, so Justin is going to be on board for that one. So I'm not sure when exactly uh, we're going to do it because I think we might be doing the next NJO book next week. Uh, I have to check with Justin on what we're actually going to be doing. Now it'll actually save. Nice. YouTube. Anyways, uh, you guys decide, and if you want to do it, I I, I kind of uh, don't mind doing it. So if you guys decide that you don't want to do it, I am. I'm ready. Well, we will get you on board for more High Republic fun. Uh, like I'd probably put this at a, a B or a C. I have to check where exactly I put Cataclysm or Convergence. 
but it's probably still in the B range for me. It just feels like slightly below what we got on Convergence. But... The thing is, like, as a book, it's not bad. Like, as a as a standalone story, it's not bad. It's just uh, has to do too much. Like, even it, if it got rid of just one storyline, let's say uh, the piece between Irono and uh, Iram. The other plan. Yeah, Iram. Just get rid of it. Just uh, the thing on, on Jeddah happened and they still somehow pissed out. Cool. But because it now has to connect to the Starlight Beacon, they blah blah blah, etc. Yeah, I just I, I could have dealt with uh, I feel like they could have had more time to explore other stuff if they hadn't needed to retread some of those animosities. Because it felt like yeah. a backslide more than a further exploration of it. But, but yeah. So later tonight, I think in about half an hour, Elkin and I will be with Justin, Charlie, and Zach playing some Star Wars Family Feud over on youtube.com slash ECKSTOO, as well as on twitch.tv slash Cordy Loses, potentially. I don't know if I'll actually be live, depending on how we do it. Uh, but we'll be we'll be having some fun with that. Otherwise, next week, I will try to put out a tweet saying exactly what we're going to be doing, me and Justin, because he will be back, whether it'll be a Q&A episode, because we haven't done that in a while, uh, or if we're going to have time to read either uh, the next NJO book or the first High Republic Phase 3 book. We'll figure it out, but we should be back to a more regular tap-calf schedule now that my grandma has not died yet. And uh, Justin's... I'm, I'm sorry for the question. Uh, this is very important. Uh, is there any property involved? Uh, any property involved? Like like an inheritance? Yes. I'm, I don't know. So that's the I'm, thing. I'm rooting for you. That's very I, important. I mean, I would rather have my grandma be alive. But if I my don't grandma... Think, I, I don't think you are thinking uh, straight right now. Think, well, of, if, think again. So my mom's dead already. So okay. if she has a lot of siblings, my sister and I, we don't know if our grandma dies, if there is any inheritance, whether it'd go split between us for my mom's portion or if it just goes all her siblings. So I don't even know if I'd get anything out of it. So I'd rather just have her still stay alive. That's... Ah, uh, Corey, you're a better person than me. Or maybe <laughs> you think that she's listening. I don't know. No, she has better stuff to do. <laughs> Hopefully. All right. Okay. Well, it was fun talking to you as usual. Thank you for joining me, Ilkin. See you in a couple minutes and hope to see the rest of you there as well. Good night. There's of me? No problem. Whatever you want.